0: God, we love you, and we thank you for today, we thank you once again for the testimony of Jocelyn. Thank you for the boldness to stand before a group of people and say that she wants you to be the Lord of her life. I pray that we can learn from that. I pray that we can be inspired from the youth who get it. Father, may we also be inspired by your word as we continue a study on some stuff that we're not very familiar with, but yet at the same time, it's so applicable to our lives. We just ask right now, Lord, that your word meets us where we are. God, there's people in the room that just need an extra dose of conviction for choices, there's people in the room that just need some encouragement right now to press on, to keep going. There's people in the room that just just need the knowledge. So, Father, I pray that Your Word meets us where we are right now. Thank you, God. We love You. We ask these things in Your Son's name. Amen. All right. So, good news. Short sermon today. There you go. Uh, bad news, um, Matt and Amanda have about 30 minutes each of mission trip updates, right? <laughs> right? Uh, that they're going to come and share with you in a little while. Uh, no, we, we are back, as many of you have asked, and we're going to update you on all that in just a few minutes, and Matt's going to share, Amanda's going to share at the appropriate time. And there's some really cool stories that, uh, that I hope that you'll... You'll grasp and, and hear as, as God did some incredible things with this team of five. Um, and then, uh, after that, uh, uh, well, yeah, that's, that's that. But today, it's, it's just us, Zephaniah. That's where we are. So, after today, three more weeks studying minor prophets. Then, we jump into nine weeks on the book of Philippians. And then, we're going to finish out the year on a character study on the life of David. And then, he obviously turns into King David. So, that's That's kind of where we are. So today, Zephaniah, right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to chapter 3. We're going to get there in a few minutes. But let me give you some facts, a little bit of background about Zephaniah. Now, for me personally, this is what Zephaniah meant. And I was getting close to the New Testament. That's that's what Zephaniah meant when when I stumbled upon it, is that I'm almost through Matthew. Uh, but here's the thing, Zephaniah's got a pretty cool lineage compared to the other prophets. Uh, if you read it, we're not going to do it today, uh, it goes to the fourth generation, most of them do that, making him the great-great-grandson of a man named Hezekiah. Now, I talk about it in chapter one. If Judas king of that name is indicated, which would seem to be the reason for the genealogy, Zephaniah was of royal blood. His name means hidden of Jehovah. And as the great great grandson of Hezekiah, the king of Judah, Zephaniah was the only known Old Testament prophet with such high social standing. All the rest of them were just common folk. But Zephaniah had some royalty. He was thus a distant relative also of King Josiah. In whose reign he prophesied if you read chapter 1 verse 1 Zephaniah's ministry was during the reign of King Josiah this is important because we know that during King Josiah's reign Judah experienced a revival and very few details are given by the prophets so far as to how the people who hear the message respond but we know that Zephaniah was a prophet during Josiah's reign, and we know that during Josiah's reign there was a revival that took place in the land. The phrase, the day of the Lord, is an expression used more frequently in this prophecy than in any other Old Testament book. Thus the theme of the book is the impending judgment of God on Judah for his disobedience let me tell you Zephaniah does not hold back there's also a proposition of the judgment theme with Zephaniah and the other prophets is the preservation of the true remnant by the mercies of the covenant-keeping God there's always hope there's always hope there's always restoration though judgment was sure, God's promise to protect his people and fulfill his promises was steadfast and everlasting. And so Zephaniah does this marvelous job of, of beating people up, but then reassuring the remnant, the faithful, those who truly believe of what God is. And because of God's holy nature, he has no choice but to judge. He has no choice but to discipline the people of earth he, it, it, it's within who he is he has to do it but there's a promise to protect his faithful followers and no matter what happens in our lives on earth no matter what happens here his promises of an eternity with him are true and everlasting so let's read zephaniah chapter 3 we're going to start in verse 14 sing daughter zion shout aloud israel glad and rejoice with all your heart daughter jerusalem the lord has taken away your punishment he has turned back your enemy the lord the king of israel is with you never again will you fear any harm on that day they will say to jerusalem do not fear zion do not let your hands hang limp the lord your god is with you the mighty warrior who saves He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with sin. Verses go on, obviously, to chapter, to verse 20, but these last verses are different from the remainder of most of the rest of the book. So many different scholars actually have attributed them to an editor rather than to the prophet himself. They're like, there's no way one guy can be so negative for all this time, and then at the very end come in, come in positive. There must be an editor. There must be somebody that also added or went in behind Seth and I and changed some of the wording to make it sound a little more positive. But this new tone is possible because the faithful have passed through the fires of judgment, and now that the judgment is passed. The people may sing for joy at the blessings and the goodness of God. And one of the most awesome descriptions of the wrath of God in judgment found anywhere in Scripture appears in chapter 1. And We'll share a little bit of that in just a second. I mean, there, there is complete wrath in what God is going to do to those who are disobedient. And one of the most moving descriptions of the love of God for his people found anywhere in Scripture also appears in these very closing verses of Zephaniah in which we've just read. And so verse 14 starts. Seen daughter of Zion. When you see the name Zion in the prophetic books, this is code for something. It's code for for God's dwelling place. We certainly know that Jerusalem is also Zion, and David conquered that, and, and then he set up the kingdom there, and that's where the temple was to be built. So Jerusalem is often referred to as Zion in a literal understanding. But scholars will tell you that Zion is also in reference to God's dwelling place which is important to take note of as this book of wrath changes its tone from wrath and punishment and destruction to restoration of the faithful who are obedient because God dwells not in a city any longer he's not found in a building he's not found in a structure but he's found within our hearts through the work of Jesus Christ and so when you see this when you see zion know that it's referring to a dwelling place of god and that is no longer a central place but that is within those who have surrendered their life who have asked jesus to come and be the lord of their life you are zion and then verse 15 goes on to say it's this beautiful picture of atonement that the lord offers to those who trust him the Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. Of course, the people who are re- receiving Zephaniah's message, they're thinking of this in, in a literal, physical army that might come upon them. And he gives them the assurance of that is no more. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. He's painting a picture of atonement for you and I. Yes, this this was directed to an audience, but it's also directed to you and I today. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. See, before this, harm was looming; destruction was waiting. But now. You don't have to fear anymore. You, you don't have to worry about the harm. You don't have to worry about being punished. It's been taken away. Why? Because verse seventeen. Verse seventeen is a very is a poetic description of how God sees the faithful. Atonement is for those, the remnant, who have said no matter what's going on here in in this earthly dwelling. I will be obedient to you. I will trust you, Lord, with the entirety of who I am. And verse 17 of chapter 3 says, for those of you who this applies, for those of you who trust, for those of you who have surrendered, the Lord your God is with you, he says, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with sin. Notice what he is saying here. And after he paints this picture of atonement, you no longer have to fear punishment. And for those of you who no longer have to fear punishment, Joshua is an example of this. He's with you. That's a promise that you and I have this morning. That as we have surrendered our lives to him, he is with you. Then it says that he is the mighty one who saves. I can't save myself, church, but I have the promise of God's word that he is the one that is going to save me from myself. He is the one that's going to save me from the punishment and the destruction that is waiting. Then it says he delights in you. Some of y'all need to hear that again. Some of you came in here this week and you're like, man, I screwed up. I messed up these mistakes. He delights in you. We were absent from our family, obviously. Stella has been gone. We'll talk about that in a minute. But she got home yesterday. And there was just this running into the house this embrace this oh I'm so glad that you're here and she's like yes I'm so glad that you're here and, and that was man, and, and I was behind and she said oh you're here right like there was this this genuine you've been gone you've been separated from us but there's this reuniting that has taken place and and, and there's this heat this delight of being in Stella's presence And for what it's worth she sat in my lap all right, as I sat in my recliner not just for a couple of minutes, for a long period of time no matter what she says she missed her day right? <laughs> <laughs> the Lord delights in you you don't miss the last part of 17, he no longer rebukes. that doesn't mean that he turns an eye and that doesn't That doesn't mean that he just looks the other way when you you mess up and you fall back into sin. But he's not coming down on the people with rebuke. He's not coming down with, with, with shameful correction and acknowledgement of what's going on in their lives. He's harsh with the people. I'm going to read the first part of this in just a few minutes. He's harsh, but with the remnant, with the faithful, he no longer rebukes you. That doesn't mean that sin doesn't have to be dealt with. That certainly doesn't mean that we just get to live how we want to. But as the faithful followers of Jesus, all we have to do is say, acknowledge it. Lord, I messed up. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Forgiveness is there. He no longer rebukes, but you know he does? He rejoices over you. He sings over you beautiful picture that love so that's what the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross leads to Zephaniah gives us the assurance to how God sees the faithful not the perfect because none of us are, none of us will be but the faithful So our worship team is going to come up and lead us in another song. And as we sing that song, we're going to blend into communion in a few minutes. (coughs) Think about that. Think about that image. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the message of Zephaniah. or I pray that as we prepare our hearts and prepare our minds for this moment of communion, think about your love and how great your love is for us. That that not only did you send a son to be the sacrifice, but God, for for Jocelyn right now, for all of us who have said, you're you're my Lord, you're my Savior, you sing over us with delight and not ridicule. Thank you for that kind of acceptance that I I personally struggle to live out in my own life. I would meditate on this thought right now.